The whole point is you are not good enough. We were never called to look at ourselves for the basis of our acceptance. Instead, we are told to consider our state when we were called so that no one who is ever called could ever get the glory. When the world sees you rejoicing in your trial, they will be baffled and they will say, by what power does this person rejoice in the worst of times? So when people look at you and say, why would God ever save someone like that? Because it's not based on your works. It's based on His grace and His grace alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, Paul says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised God has by the things that are. Verse 29, So that no man may boast before God, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul is making the case here that before you start looking at yourselves as the reason for your call to salvation, consider who God has called. This idea is antithetical to our natural mind, for no one handpicking a team would pick the foolish, the weak, the despised. In fact, if it were up to us, we would base our choosing, most likely, solely on everything external. Our society prizes the rich, the strong, the beautiful, and the powerful. It only makes sense that God would choose the same, and yet here Paul is saying, before you start asserting who is deserving, deserving rather, Consider your own calling. You see, the Corinthian church had such great division in it because they were so concerned about their own prestige and whose team they were on. Just a few verses earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, he says, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? This is analogous to Christians today who boast about the church they go to, and we've all heard that snide remark, oh, you go to that church? And so Paul is saying, before you start boasting about the team you're on, or the team you belong to, and deem yourself as worthy, consider your calling. The word calling is the Greek word blepo, blepo, and it simply means to look or to see. He's saying, open your eyes and look at your calling. He's summoning us to be the witness of our own calling. 1 Corinthians 1.26, look at that verse. He says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many uh, mighty, not many noble. The word wise or wise according to the flesh simply means skilled experts, educated, or deep philosophical thinkers. The word mighty is just, just means strong, powerful, mighty in wealth and in influence, and noble means to be born in high rank. He's saying you're, you're so concerned about who is better and who is more deserving and whose team you're on that you're missing the whole point. 
He tells us the point starting in verse 27. Look at it with me. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. The word foolish is a Greek word, moros, moros. Can you guess what English word we get from this? Yep, morons. It literally means foolish or stupid, but specifically in your heart and in your character. In other words, morally worthless. He says God has chosen the morally worthless to shame the wise. Shame is an interesting word. It literally means to put to open shame. In other words, to display openly their shame because the wise trust in themselves. He says he chose the weak things of this world. Weak means strengthless and feeble, incapable. He chose the feeble and the incapable to put to open shame those who rely on their own strength. Next, he says, God chose the base things of this world, which means one who does not live up to the expectation of his stock or his race or his nation. In other words, someone who is rejected or on the outskirts of society. He chose the despised, those who are scorned and looked down upon. And finally, Paul says he has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. In other words, those who would appear to be his first choice, he has pushed them to the background and he has chosen those who's in the wor- who in the world's eyes are nothing. You say, why would God choose the foolish, the weak, the rejected, and the scorned? And Paul gives us that point in verse 29. He says, so that no man may boast before God. Verse 30 says, but by, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, the whole point is you are not good enough. We were never called to look at ourselves for the basis of our acceptance. Instead, we are told to consider our state when we were called so that no one who is ever called could ever get the glory. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Listen, verse 9, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. God's purpose in choosing you is to display his glory, his love, and his mercy in you and through you. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost, foremost of all. This is Paul speaking. Verse 16, he says, Yet for this reason I found mercy. So that in me as the foremost, the foremost of what? The foremost of all sinners, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. We are examples of the mercy and the compassion of our God because we are so undeserving. The moment you try to take any credit for your works, you are robbing God of the example of his mercy and his glory. 
The moment you begin to trust in your achievements and your holiness, you take away the example of God's mercy. This is not an excuse for sin. This is reason to look at yourself and see who you truly are in your sin nature and see who God truly is in his redemptive power of you. God wants to make us an example of his power through us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that's our bodies, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. In other words, the great works that he has created for you are so mighty that it will be clearly evident that it is not of you, but it is of God. You want more success in life? Sacrifice the glory for yourself and give the glory to God. When the world sees you rejoicing in your trial, they will be baffled and they will say, by what power does this person rejoice in the worst of times? When you have peace that passes all understanding during the storms, others will look at you and marvel at the power of God because surely that kind of peace is not derived or mustered up from a human. Conversely, when we do not walk in his power and in his peace and in his mercy, we are shining the light of glory on ourselves. When you look to yourself to be sufficient or good enough, or you say things like, I'm not good enough, you're shining the light on you and not on his glory. That's the whole point. To God be the glory. God not only deserves the glory, but he demands it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5, he says, But I, on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regard to my weakness. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from this. In other words, Paul's saying, I have reason to boast. I've done a lot for God. He goes on to say, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees and or hears from me because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. You see, the revelation that Paul received was so great, was so awesome that God would not remove his affliction to keep him from exalting himself. It's time to let go of looking at yourself to determine your own worthiness. We say things like, oh, God could never use me, or I'm not smart enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not old enough, I'm too old, I have a past, I'm not strong enough. And guess what? All of this is true and is exactly the reason why God can and does use you. You see, Satan loves to twist our humility and our awareness of our unworthiness. So instead of falling on our knees in thanksgiving to God who made us worthy, we cower away in shame. We hide our face from him because we're looking at ourselves. Satan tries to make us useless by getting us to look at ourselves for the resources to serve God. And because in and of ourselves, we are nothing, we immediately feel overwhelmed, depressed, and inadequate. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, what a wonderful verse. It says, such confidence we have through Christ towards God, not that we are adequate 
adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate adequate as servants of the new covenant. We obsess in our culture over self-esteem and the appearance of being put together or having it all figured out, but our adequacy is not found in ourselves, but in God. How much time are you wasting in your life trying to make yourself adequate? How much time in your life are you wasting to make yourself worthy instead of submitting to the one who has made you worthy? And so I encourage you today to come boldly to God. Take your eyes off of yourself and let your life be a testimony of the goodness and mercy and strength and wisdom and grace and the power of God. For God chose the base things of this world. He chose the weak things of this world. He chose the, the, the morons of this world to shame the wise. For every time the devil or anyone else tries to tell you that you are unqualified or not good enough, you can rejoice because God has made you adequate to display his glory. For those who are humbled, he will exalt. Stop letting the feeling of unworthiness stop you from seeking and being used by God. Satan would love to disarm you. Satan would love to take your power away. And he can only do that when we fix our eyes on ourselves and our inadequacies. For the moment we look to him, the moment we look to God, we find our adequacy. We find that power in these earthen vessels that is not of us, but of, of, of him. Hebrews eleven sixteen it says, He, speaking of God, is not ashamed to be called our God. Let us not be ashamed of him for choosing us. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Rejoice in your weakness, because he is your strength. We are a culture built on achievements. We are a culture built on accolades who love to esteem men higher than others, who love to lift people up in their popularity. And yet God says, I've come for the sick. I've come for the weak. I've come for the foolish so that I can make them wise, so that I can lift them up and make them strong. You know, even in my own life, struggling with chronic Lyme disease for the last 11 years and feeling so much weakness in my body, I say, don't pity me because I feel the strength of God reverberating through my body. He upholds us. He lifts us up. He calls in the outcast, the rejected, the black sheep. And he calls us near to him. And he fills us with everything that we need to serve him. And so the next time you look at yourself and you say, well, I'm not good enough. I have a past. I've been through all these things. Rejoice because your adequacy comes from God. It's the whole point, friends. The whole point is you're not deserving. 
So when people look at you and say, why would God ever save someone like that? Because it's not based on your works. It's based on his grace and his grace alone. To God be all the glory.